Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Good morning, church. How are you? Great to see you today. Good to be with you at our beautiful Dulles campus. We're going to be, yeah, yes it is. You all look amazing, beautiful people in this, in this beautiful campus on a beautiful day where there's air that we can breathe, amen. We're going to be connecting this morning with our Tunleytown campus. Big shout out to our Tunleytown campus. Let's hear it for them. And also just want to welcome all of our online campus. We are so excited to have you join with us. We have such a beautiful church family all around the world. And so wherever you're joining from today or maybe you're listening after the fact, we're so happy to have you join. And we know that God has something specific for you today. So let's come together in this moment, amen, and have some expectation because God always has something for us. You know that? He's a good father. I never had my kids come up to me and say, Mom, I'm hungry, and me say, too bad. Right? God always has something for us when we come with an expectant heart, when we ask for, you know, just, I need you in my life, and he's got it. He's got exactly what we need. Amen? This morning. So, well, today we're going to begin, or continue, actually, our conversation, Faith Plus is the name of our sermon series, and this is week number two, and we're taking a look at Second Peter chapter one. We kind of took a portion of those verses, and we began last week to kind of lay the foundation and begin to unpack that. So if you would open your Bibles with me to Second Peter chapter one, we're going to read beginning in verse three, and we're going to end around verse 11. You can see it on the screen. You can follow along in the sermon notes on the app. Or open your big old paper Bible and read it right off the page. You ready? All right. It says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate say participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires for this very reason make every effort say every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ isn't that powerful but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins therefore my brothers and sisters, make every effort, say every effort, to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich 
welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we look to your word this morning. It is powerful, it is alive, it is active, and it is able to do inside of our hearts what we cannot accomplish on our, on our own. We don't look to a person, to anyone's opinion, to anyone's uh, human wisdom, God. Today we are interested in hearing from you the divine wisdom from the word of truth. God, we pray that you would open our hearts, convict us of sin, help us, teach us, shape us, mold us into better disciples in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we kind of laid the foundation for this series, Faith Plus, and we were talking about how we can be better disciples, how we can follow really the example of the Apostle Peter in the Bible as we're reading from Second Peter, which is his last letter, which he wrote from prison, and we can be inspired by the life, the really imperfect life of Peter and how he followed Jesus and how he just prioritized knowing Jesus and how we can do those things. And by looking here in the Bible, we kind of focused our main focus on verses 3 and 4. And we introduced the idea that we have everything that we need to live the godly life that we're called to live. And if you really reflect on that, if you really meditate on that, it's amazing how often I don't feel qualified. Anybody else relate to that? I don't often feel in my feelings qualified or capable of living the godly life that God's called me to. So scripture tells us, though, that we have everything that we need, right? But there's two things that we have to understand. Number one, it's the power of God working in us through knowledge of Christ. So we kind of pulled out this idea that we have this beautifully overpacked, overprepared bag of supplies that God has given us, right? Right here. And through our knowledge of Christ, and we can access everything that we need. And it's not because we're working hard, it's because the power of God is working in us, right? It says the divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Christ. But we had to take some time last week, and I just want to do a quick review because we had to understand what does it mean to know Jesus? Because we're living in a time where we have a lot of knowledge about a lot of things right? We're living in a time where information is not difficult to access. You can get on your phone and Google, what does God think about this? What does Jesus say about that? And never even have a conversation with Jesus. You can, you can hear about him, you can know about him, but you can never actually interact with him yourself. And so we had to really kind of take a moment and, and, and talk about what does it mean to really follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a disciple? And we decided that this, you know, this year as a church, we are going to be going deeper in our own personal walk with the Lord, right? We're going to be better disciples. Anybody interested in that, in understanding how to be a better disciple? Because the, 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 the word says that if we can do these things, if we can learn these things, that we won't have ineffective, unproductive lives as Christians. I don't know about you, but I'm interested in having a productive life and an effective life. And let me tell you something. 
that's interesting observation, not to scare us. But did you know that according to the Bible, miracles, answered prayer, signs and wonders, those are not the fruit of you knowing Jesus. Those are the fruit of the goodness of God. God healed people that didn't know him. He worked miracles on behalf of people that didn't love him. He is always putting himself out there so human beings will respond to him by faith. The only thing that is going to prove that you know Christ when you come to that moment in eternity where you give an account of how you know him is the fruitfulness of your knowledge of Christ. Did you live a fruitful, productive, effective life? That's why it says in the Bible, in the last days, or in the end times, in eternity, many will say, Lord, Lord, I did this in your name. I did that in your name. And what does he say to them? Depart from me. I didn't know you. What? What? But God, we prayed for a new job, and you gave us a new job. But we asked you for this. You know, when we faced hard times, you know how we all get, all of a sudden we're really desperate, right? for that relationship with Jesus. We face hard times and we come to him and he says, no, I did that because I am good. I am always good. What I'm looking for is disciples who know me. And Peter, at the end of his life, is writing a letter to us to say, listen, I'm standing at the doorstep of eternity. This isn't because I'm special. I'm just a regular fisherman, rough around the edges, who decided to make it my one, number one priority to pursue Jesus, to make it my number one priority to pursue Jesus, to leave what I had behind and to follow Jesus daily. So we really had to take a look at what does it mean to know God and what does it mean to be a disciple and what does it mean to follow in a time where following, I mean, I've got hundreds of followers. I'm not even on Instagram practically, and I have hundreds of thousands of followers. You can have millions of followers. They don't really know you. So we have to understand what the Bible is saying when it says, follow Jesus. It is a daily thing. It is an intimate thing. It is a personal thing. It is consistent. Come on. It is a pursuit daily of him. So this week, now that we've laid the foundation, I want to kind of continue to expound upon a few verses. And we're going to look at verse 5 through 9. Are you ready? For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. He's given us a list. I like a list. Anybody? Give me that list. <laughs> That's right. Now I've got my action item. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. 
So today, we're going to talk about being effective, productive believers. Christians who the fruit of our knowledge of Christ is apparent in our lives through faith. Understanding what does it mean to actually live by faith and to walk by faith. Because in verse 4, he talks about, and this is the key, participating in the divine nature. That is what being a disciple is. Allowing spiritual transformation to take place on the deep parts of who I am. And now that I am free from sin through the blood of Jesus, I make every effort to participate in God's divine nature, making that divine exchange, allowing my computer system to be completely uploaded differently. Does that make sense? It's a new operating system. I'm living by faith. I'm saying no to my sin nature, to the old ways of thinking, the old identities that held me, the old things, and I'm saying yes to Christ. And I'm not doing it in my effort, even though it says make every effort to do this. It's clear at the beginning of our passage, it's the divine power of God at work in us. Right? It's not something I can just decide. It's as I draw close to Jesus, his divine power works inside of me and transforms me from the inside out. It's not a list of external acts. It's literally God's ways invading my ways, my human way of thinking, my human way of, of reasoning, my human way of reacting. Living by faith is more than just trusting God for my job in the future, my future spouse, my finances. It is those things. But living by faith is so much deeper than that. It's participating in the divine nature of God so that my life bears fruit in keeping with his word. Living a productive and effective life. Sometimes we can get confused about this on this topic, though, because we, there's a fine line, it feels like, between, like, faith and works, right? And I think sometimes we, you know, we can get confused about this. So for the sake of that, I want to talk to you about just a terminology that I think is going to help some of us to understand it, right? We know in the book of James where it talks about, show, you know, faith without works is dead. Show me your faith by your works, you know, all that, all that, all that. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go to Romans <laughs> because I want us to understand even something deeper because I feel like sometimes that the James passages are definitely talking about like feeding the poor and doing different outward acts where Paul in the book of Romans is actually going even deeper than that. So let's look at Romans together quickly. Romans chapter 1, 5 and 6. And then I'm going to go to verse 17, and then I'm going to jump to chapter 2, verse 13. And we're going to see kind of, I'm just kind of choosing these verses as highlights within these first two chapters of Romans to help us to understand what Paul is, what, what the Bible is telling us about, <clears throat> excuse me, about um, righteousness by faith, okay? It says this, it says, Romans 1, 5 and 6, through him, Jesus, we, Paul, and the apostles received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith 
for his name's sake. I want you to listen to that. Obedience that comes from faith. Not works. Obedience that comes from faith. Because I trust God, because I believe him, because he is God, I am going to obey his word. Okay, obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Verse 17, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. What kind of righteousness? A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, right? Not by works, it's by faith. By faith through the grace of God. It's the only way we can be righteous, right? We know we're human. We know we're sinners. We looked at the life of Peter last week. He messed up constantly. It's so encouraging. You imagine Jesus prophesying about his own, you know, redeeming the world from sin and dying on a cross and you rebuking him? No. Like, that goes down in history. That's a lot, right? Peter had some real blunders, but he also knew how to get his heart right with, with God, right? To pursue Jesus. So it says, the righteous, just as it is written, verse 17, the righteous will live by faith. So the way we live is obedience that comes from faith. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Not just hearing, but obeying. So when he talks about in verse 4, in 2 Peter 1 verse 4, when it says we have an opportunity to participate in the divine nature of Christ, we have to understand that we have a part to play. Because opportunities can be missed. And there are many, many Christians who know about Jesus, enjoy the wonder and the beauty of his community and his family, but they're not obeying Jesus on the very inside parts and allowing that heart, life, system transformation to take place inside of their hearts. That transformation of really knowing Jesus. And here's the thing. No one can do it for us. I have to pursue Jesus for myself on my own. I have to have that heart that says, Jesus, I want you more than anything. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Now I belong to Christ. So I can exchange that poor habit and now employ something else. And we're going to talk about these seven attributes. We're not going to do all seven today, in case anyone's watching the clock. We're going to talk about these seven attributes that we can choose. Obedient choices because of faith. Today I'm going to make an obedient choice because of faith, and I'm going to allow the nature of God to shine in me, to work in me. I'm going to allow the power of God, because I know who he is, to work in and through my life as a disciple of Jesus. So let's look at these attributes. When I first read these verses, I was like, is this a contradiction? I've given you everything you need for life and godliness, so now add to your faith right? Wait a minute. You just said we have it all. Why are we adding things? No, he's saying, I've given you everything you need to live the godly life. I've given you everything you need to participate in the divine nature, 
this is what the divine nature looks like. It's still a decision that you have to make. It's an obedient choice because of faith. So let's look at number one is goodness. Goodness. Add to your faith goodness. Goodness is moral excellence, right? I'm going to read from my Bible here a couple things. I think they'll be on the screen, but I'm just going to pull up a couple verses that I added in earlier this morning. When I think about goodness, I think about moral excellence, right? Just be a good person. It's not that hard. Actually, it kind of is, but... This is how we live by faith. Let me read this to you. Psalm 25, verse 8 and 9 says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He instructs us in his ways as we draw near to him. He is good, he is upright, and he will teach us. He guides the humble in what is right, and he teaches them his way. God is a good God. He is a good God, and his goodness can be at work in us. The power of God wants to work in us and through us as we employ the very nature of God. Is that amazing? We are the pipeline of God's goodness. This original word in the Greek, the definition that I just gave you, that's the definition of the Greek in the New Testament, okay? Moral, excellent, virtuous course of thought, feeling, action, virtuous thought, feeling, and action. It's not just outward goodness. The ways of God, the nature of God, wants to impact all of the inner things that make us human. 1 Peter 2.9 says, says this, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That word praises, original Greek, same word as goodness. Our calling is to be set apart so that our lives can pipe in the goodness of God to others so that we can have the productive, uh, the fruit in our lives of the goodness of God. Aren't you glad that you can choose that? Maybe you look at your life without Jesus. There's nothing good. Without God, there's nothing truly good. God comes to, to, to transform you from the inside out and to be a carrier of his goodness. But he set us apart. As I said earlier, I alluded to the goodness of God. When I think about the word goodness, I just think about the nature of God. I consider his goodness and how he, he placed his love upon us because he's good. Come on. We're the target of his love because he's good, not because we're awesome. We think we're awesome. But we're not. He's actually just really good. We don't love him. He first loved us. That's why we can love him. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness poured out to us that draws him to himself. And now as disciples of Christ, we can, t we can participate in the divine nature and have the goodness of God bearing fruit in our lives. Number two, knowledge. Here we go. Just did this last week. 
Knowledge again. Knowledge. This word knowledge is, is talking about understanding. It's talking about the deeper and more perfect and large knowledge of Christianity that belongs to more advanced things. It's more like wisdom. When you read the book of Proverbs, you'll see that there's lots of different words in the Old Testament for maybe one English word that we have. And so in the book of Proverbs, there's knowledge, which is information. There's wisdom, which is knowledge applied to your life, lived out, right? So that's wisdom. A wise person lives in truth. The things that they know to be true, they live it out, they walk it out. And then there's a next level is understanding. Understanding is where knowledge applied over time gives you wisdom and wisdom gives you understanding. It's like a, it's like a chain effect kind of, right? This word knowledge, adding to your faith goodness, to your goodness knowledge, this is talking about the deep things that God wants to reveal to you. The things that you're probably, you know, he could speak to you sitting in a chair on a Sunday morning. But they're the deep things that God wants to reveal to you when you're by yourself with him. The longings of your heart, the wisdom that you need to move forward, the understanding that you need to have in order to succeed in that relationship or know exactly where he's taking you in your life direction, to understand even in times of difficulty and persecution, to have an understanding in your spirit of what God is doing. There's been times where things aren't going great on the surface, but because I know Jesus, I have a peace because I know that he's working things out. In the book of Daniel, verse, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 22, it says, it is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. Daniel was working for a government, for a king that was not his own. He needed to hear from God. And as long as he listened to the voice of his father, he bore fruit, right? He had a life that was fruitful. And he was able to know things that nobody else knew. Do you know that you can have that kind of relationship with Jesus as a disciple? The kind where you know that you know that you know that this is the right path because God spoke to you. I don't want to make myself sound super spiritual or anything, but just for, by way of example, when we moved to Washington, D.C., God says, I'm going to give you influence, and I want you to plant your family. And he showed us exactly where to plant our family in the city. And he said, and I want you to me, not to Michael. He knew he had to get to the mama bear. I want you to put your kids in these schools. Well, these schools were not great. These schools were actually pretty bad. So living by faith for me was listening to that voice of God and sticking to it because I was trusting him. God, you said it. You said it. So I'm not going to tell you homeschooling is the best way. This is the best way. That's the best way. Churches love to do that, right? Christians love to just decide what the best way is. That's great. Sounds like religion. How about we listen to the voice of God and we do what he is telling us? Because Washington, when we first moved here, we didn't have a church, we didn't have a team, we didn't have anything. We had nothing. It was my mission field. I might as well have been in, you know, some other country somewhere in the back, whatever. I don't know. 
And I had to trust God with the greatest gift in my life, and that is my kids. Guess who all are following Jesus today? All of my kids. They love him. Not because the circumstances were perfect, because we listen to Jesus and we follow his voice and we do what he says so that we can live effective and productive lives for his glory. That's just a small example. And so many of you have those stories. This comes from knowing Jesus, not trying to plot, plan, and scheme what the best environment could be. And I think those things are good. You have to walk in wisdom. But if God speaks to you in the secret place, he's going to show you things that you can't believe. The creator of the universe, maybe you're a creative person. You want to be more creative. You want to think of the next best song. You want to next best business idea, next best thing. Guess who knows what's going to be the big need 10 years from now? The creator of the universe, the one who is in charge of it all. Get with him. He wants to reveal to you the secrets. Knowledge knowledge living by faith is foregoing the, the knowledge of this world and valuing the knowledge of Christ the knowledge of his world the understanding we got to get through number three or we're never going to get through the rest of this self-control self-control and we're going to close with this one Add to your faith self-control. I just want to say this gently because I'm not trying to be harsh, but you know what? I think we are so, especially non-denominational Christians, sometimes we're so excited about our message of grace that we allow ourselves to just be kind of crazy and not employ some of these things, right? Like self-control. Like, well, Jesus is going to love me no matter what. Yes, that's true. But God has given us the ability to access his divine nature. And if I really trust him, if I really have faith, I'm going to allow him to convict me of sin. I'm going to allow self-control to be in my life. And I'm going to exercise self-control. It's the virtue of someone who masters his desires and passions, especially in sensual appetites. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, But I discipline my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself become disqualified. Your knowledge and your growth and your productivity as a believer and your relationship with Christ is never to bring judgment on others. It's always to be a mirror for where you are with Jesus. Because none of us can judge. The Bible says the minute you start judging others, you're guilty of that same sin. Literally. So self-control is so important that our lives can be fruitful, that God can trust us with the big things. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ obedience remember that comes from faith self-control what are the thoughts of your heart what are the meditations of your heart psalm 19 is powerful king david is reflecting he knew what it was to make big mistakes 
he also knew what it was like to have a heart that was after God. I'm not talking about escaping our humanity. I'm talking about running hard after God, pursuing Jesus. We won't fully escape our humanity until we go to heaven. But while we are on earth in the moments that we have, we're called to be stewards of the things that he's given us. And he's inviting us as disciples and followers of him to participate in his divine nature in order to be fruitful. It says, but who can discern, I'm sorry, this is uh, Psalm 19, verse 12, but who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. This is David crying out to God. Keep your servant also from willful sin. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of, a, of great transgression. And then he goes even deeper. May the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Living by faith is allowing God to even get to the meditations of our hearts. The way that we think about stuff, the way that we process things, the way that we live our lives. Self-control is, is allowing Christ to convict us of sin, to shine a light into those areas, and then to allow his divine power that's working in us according to our knowledge of him, it's his power that does it, right? And we continually come to Jesus, continually daily. That's why it's a daily thing. That's why it can't be a Sunday check-in. Because you know what? I can't, you know, I, do you ever try to do fasting? Like we do that <laughs> 21 days, you know, fasting at the beginning of the year. It's like, this is gonna be so amazing, right? This is gonna be awesome. And like day two, we're all like, right? This is, you, we need his grace. Yes, our flesh is so weak. Let's be honest about it. I'm talking about self-control because we understand that the, that the, the, that the, the, the uh, fleshly desires that we have and the ways that we, that we live and the way that we cope and the way that we self-medicate and all the things that we do to escape the reality instead of going to Jesus first. Like all the things that we do, Jesus wants to come in and he doesn't want to just rid us of the external acts of sin, but he wants to get to the way we process everything about the world around us from the inside out. He wants us to understand his ways and to walk in his ways. Amen. And I'm just going to leave it there today. We're going to finish this up and um, over the next couple weeks, we'll attack some of these other attributes and ask the Lord to really help us as we go deeper in our walk with him. But would you bow your heads with me all across this room, also with our in our Tinley Town campus, online campus, wherever you are. I just want to pray right now a prayer of, of dedication over us. This is a different kind of message for us some, as a church because a lot of times we talk about we do topical preaching and this happens to be more teaching from the Bible. I hope that this week we will dive into Second Peter and we'll just continue to meditate and ruminate on these verses because I know that there's going to be a lot of power in them for each and every one of us. Father, I just come before you right now and I just pray over our whole church. Every campus, every person tuning in online, Father, we thank you for revealing yourself in a deeper way to each of us this morning. God, we thank you that your divine power is, in, is at work in us. 
as we draw close to you and we know you. God, that our lives will be effective and productive for you, that we will bear fruit. God, that one day our eternal reward is awaiting us as we walk each day here on earth with a mindfulness of who you are in our lives, with a healthy fear of God, knowing that you are always present and that you desire a real relationship with us as your followers. Father, I pray today as we bow our heads and go from this place that we would walk different, that we would be challenged in our spirits to, to say yes to you daily, to hunger and thirst after righteousness, to allow that power that's transforming us from the inside out to ha do its perfect work. That, God, we would add to our faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. And in the areas where we lack, and there's so many areas, Jesus, that we lack, we just, we just say that, we confess that, we know that. We pray, God, that you would empower us, that you would take us by the hand like you did with the Apostle Peter, that you would teach us your ways, that you would help us to understand who you are, that you would reveal to us yourself, your person, daily. God, we want to know you. We want to know you. We love you, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give an opportunity now for anyone here who doesn't know Jesus for themselves. Maybe you don't have your own personal relationship with him, or maybe you can tell from just this message or God's been tugging at your heart that it's time for you to recommit to him. I'm just going to give an opportunity if you're in the room to go ahead and quickly raise your hand with every head bowed and every eye closed. No one is going to call you out, but I'd like to know who I'm praying for this morning. We're all going to say a prayer out loud together, and if that's you, I just want to invite you to go ahead and slip up your hand and say, you know what? I know about God, but I don't really know Jesus. Today is a new day, a fresh start for me. I want to know him for myself. And as those hands are raised and every head is bowed, we're going to go ahead and just pray this prayer aloud together. Church, would you pray with me? Jesus, we come to you with open and humble hearts. We want to know you. We want to be true followers of you. We want the power of God working in our lives. Forgive us for our sins. Wash us clean today. Help us to follow after you. In obedience because of faith. In Jesus' name.